0: Your Van C's Weekly, the home for info and insight on the Vancouver Canadians and all Toronto Blue Jays minor league prospects, hosted by Greg Ballack and Charlie Kasky. It's time for the Your Van C's Weekly Podcast, Episode 6. I'm Greg Ballack, here as usual with Charlie Kasky, and it's been a little while since our last podcast, so we apologize for the little bit of a break uh, as I was in Edmonton and Charlie was off in his own
1: world, as he <laughs> sometimes is. Uh, no, Greg, working, going to see his games. Hard work. Yes, collecting information, scouting.
0: Well, it's there's been a lot to talk about. There's been no shortage of stories so far. I guess we can start right from the top, and, and we're going to talk about, a lot about Max Pentecost this week. Obviously, he's um, the big first-round pick that has uh, made his way finally to Vancouver. We've been waiting a while for him to get his passport and get everything worked out, and he's finally here. And we've seen him. I haven't seen him because I've been away, but Charlie has. And we'll get a full rundown from him, uh, I'm sure, <laughs> of what he's seen so far. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Miguel Castro as well. Uh, I was at one of his last starts and actually got a chance to talk to the pitching coach, Jeff Ware, a little bit. Uh, I don't think we're going to use the audio from that, but we'll we'll talk about it a little bit. And I know one of Charlie's latest blog, blog posts has actually was focused on Castro. He charted him. Um, so we'll we'll talk about that and uh, keep it try to keep it short again. We say this every week, but we'll try to keep it a little bit shorter uh, than we normally do. No guests this week. Uh, we're just trying to get caught up uh, with the week that or the, the two or two and a half weeks we'll say uh, it was for the Vancouver Canadians, um, and it was a pretty big one. They they played some pretty good ball. I guess they they made up a lot of ground. Um, it's going to be tough for them to win the first half as the as the last series here before the end of the first half. Uh, and if you don't know the Northwest League, the way they do it, um, it's sort of like the, the other single A um, divisions where you you have to win the first half um, to clinch a spot. And then the, the other playoff spot um, is the winner of the second half of the season. And it's a short season, so it's kind of weird that they do it that way. I don't know why they do. Charlie, do you have any thoughts on on that playoff setup, I guess it's kind of weird, but I guess other leagues do it as well.
1: Well, yeah, I think it's it's quite prevalent through the minor leagues, um, simply for the fact that you know you look at Everett right now, or fourteen games back, and with the fluidity of players that are coming and going, you know, if you're halfway through a season and you're fourteen games back, you're effectively done. Mm-hmm. By resetting it, they allow teams like Everett, Tri City, you know, in the in the Southern Division, it's a bit more closer. But in the North Division, Spokane and Vancouver are running away with it. So the you know by resetting it, you know who knows there might be more players coming in. It just gives teams and fans, I think especially, a bit of hope that right we can we mm-hmm. can scrap that first half. Obviously, Everett's been poor. Tri-City's been been not very great as well. Um, you know, maybe with a few a few fresh faces from the A.Z.L. affiliates or Pulaski Mariners down in the Appalachian League. Everett might put on a better show in the second half. So it mm-hmm. just gives the fans and the team and, and all that, you know, the management a bit of a, a bit of a second chance.
0: Yeah, I guess the uh, way it's set up too, you get guys like Max Pentecost and players that were just drafted uh, to come up at this point in the season and it can pretty, you know, change a lot of the rosters quite a bit.
1: Oh, it can drastically change the right. landscape. You know, it happened with Everett last year with, you know, they had a few high draft picks, DJ Peterson and stuff like that. Not only came up but then they left early as well, which I think helped Vancouver near the end is mm-hmm. is a couple of Everett's big names um were gone up to the Midwest Lake when Vancouver sort of made their run right at the end and mm-hmm. then obviously got hot through the playoffs with the help of the additions that came up with from Bluefield. You know, those guys came up for the playoffs, but still, you know, there's there's players coming and going, that's why I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I don't really look at the standings all that much just because it's hard to gauge, Mm -hmm. you know, as where these teams actually are.
0: And we have the All Star game coming up. It's going to be Tuesday, August 5th. Uh, They have the South against the North in that game. And um, that's actually, it's going to come after because this is the last, I guess, last two games here against Tri City. They play Sunday and Monday. And those are the last two games of the season uh, or the first half of the season. And it looks like they need the canadians in order to to win the the division need uh to win the next two versus tri-city but they also need Spokane to drop the next two against everett who have been pretty poor this season.
1: Yeah, I mean I know it was funny last week when everett were in town. Um I think Rob Fay did a post-game interview with I believe it was Alexis Maldonado who'd hit his first home run of the season that game and you know asked him, you know, surely this everett this everett is better than their record reflects and of course what are you going to say? No, they're shit. <laughs> Um, so Alexis was the dutiful soldier and said, yeah, they're a lot better than they actually are, or, or their record reflects, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Nah, they're rubbish. So, <laughs> you know, they're not going to lose two games to Everett. I'd like to think Vancouver will beat Tri-City and, and put the pressure on Spokane. I know people got into a bit of a Twitter tizzy last night when Everett jumped out to a quick 3 nothing lead when... Spokane proceeded to score 12 straight runs to beat them 12 <laughs> 3. And I think actually uh, they're playing right now. And Everett, uh, once again, have jumped out to a lead. I think it's only 1 um Is that in Everett? or It is in Everett, I believe. No, it's Spokane. Okay. That's why it started a bit early because they are an hour ahead of us, okay. aren't they, I believe, in Well, Everett's got that short porch,
0: too, right? You mentioned that on a previous.
1: Yes, they show. do. Which um, the seas, I think Jonathan Davis hit his first home run the season in Everett opposite opposite field shot as a right. So they don't have here. that
0: advantage this week.
1: <laughs> well, no, well, Spokane I think had one of the I wrote an article a couple weeks ago and put in the park factors for all the for all the teams and Boise and Spokane were the two highest actually for for home run hitting. So mm. it's it's a run scoring environment in Spokane.
0: And if you're going to go see a game, we recommend you do it now because there is a 5 game set against Hillsboro coming up on Tuesday all the way till Saturday. And then after that, you, I think you said, Charlie, off there is 21 days or something in Some, between. Uh,
1: I remember yeah, the, the staff were talking about getting 20 days off or something along those lines because there's there's quite a big road trip and then also the uh, the All-Star game, as you mentioned, thrown in there. So a as huge w- break. A huge break. I don't even know who's, who's hosting it. I know it was Everett last year. Um, it's not it's, Vancouver. We know that. It's not Vancouver. <laughs> I think it's somewhere down in Oregon. It might be Eugene, actually. Okay. I know last year they got to stay down at the uh, Snohomish Casino. And resort, and they went to one of the, uh, the Blue Jays that were in town playing the Mariners. So they yeah. went down there and checked that out. So it was kind of cool for the Seas players, obviously, being their, their affiliate Major League franchise. I
0: don't know what the weather's going to be like next week, but if it's anything like this past week, it's going to be good for baseball. So it's a you good hope. time. Yeah, uh... it was
1: pretty unbelievable. But then I, I looked at last night's game in, on the minor league website and in Tri-Cities, which, you know, I still didn't really know where Tri-City is. It was like 98 degrees Fahrenheit or something. Oof. So that's hot for a night a game much. as well. So, uh, yeah.
0: So get your tickets now because it's going to be a bit of a break. There's there's still lots of baseball to be played. It's still half a season to go. Um, there's series against Tri-City, Everett, Boise, and Spokane all to come in the second half. Um, so there, there is quite a bit of home games, but uh, at least not for the end of July, early August. There isn't going to be much because their next home game isn't until August 10th, um, well into the second half of the season. So, who knows what the the position of the the Canadians might be by that point, and um, if anything, it'll be exciting. Because if you haven't gone out and seen Max Pentecost yet, um, he seems to be be quite exciting and is living up to the potential that that uh, has been placed upon him. Um, you know, another one of those straight out of out of the draft, pretty young guy, born in ninety three, um, but he's nine for his first twenty one since coming up. Uh, he played a little bit for Bluefield. Um, no GCL in the GCL. Uh, before coming up here Um, but he's been pretty good three rbi 435 on base percentage only struck out twice he's walked once uh, and then he's he's actually attempted to steal a little bit in only five games he's caught stealing once but he has a stolen base as well and you mentioned to me as well that you you think he has a little bit of speed for a a guy who's a, a catcher not really a guy you'd expect or a position you'd expect a lot of speed out of
1: He's he's very athletic. He's, it's it's funny the first time you see him up close, you realize that he's he's obviously a player. He's 6'1", 190 or whatever. Very mm. very lean, very athletic. Um, moves his catching. I'll need to watch it a bit more. I'm, I I saw that first game where he you know apparently he'd hopped on a flight at four a.m. from Minnesota. He was in he was in town for the all star all star game festivities after having won the Johnny Bench Award, the college award for the best catcher in the nation. Um, so basically, jumped on a plane at four. So I'm guessing he got into Vancouver at whatever eight or nine, straight to the park. You know, played, you know, right into the cleanup spot that night. Um, so his catching was a bit ragged. I saw him again later, just a bit again. It's, I think it needs some work. But yeah, his, his hitting, his his hands are so quiet. Um, his his load, his balance, everything is very very good and. Mm. I've actually um I've wrote up a, written up a scouting report of both him and Beretto Franklin Beretto who these are the two guys that I think will progress, you know say to, double A and beyond, um, on the Vancouver Canadians team right now, so I've sort of written up a scouting report of both of them including some video which will be in the Vancouver Sun tomorrow morning, and I took two videos of of Pentecost one of which was an infield single, which really shows you hmm. shows him getting up the line and, and how quick he is from home to first. Um, unfortunately, the second one was of him striking out. So there you go. That's one of his <laughs> two strikeouts you get to see. Um, he knew he was filming. On, on the website tomorrow morning. It was funny because I filmed one one half of an inning and, I mean, this. it was a terrible game as far as how it was pitched and defended. But the one pitcher that came in for Eugene was absolutely dealing and he struck out the side. He struck out Barreto, Pentecost, and... Uh, McBroom, wow! And I got all three that's a on big video. Three. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, there you go. My two scouting reports tomorrow show two both guys getting uh, struck out. But for Beretto, it actually highlights some of the issues I think he's having. So it was a mm-hmm. it was a good piece of video to have.
0: Well, that's the one thing we kept hearing though about Pentecost was his swing, and that it was a very quiet. You know, he's not going to hit a ton of long balls. You know, he's not a guy that that goes for the fences very often. And he, he can't really judge that here at at the NAT anyways. Um, but that he's very quiet, and then for a right-handed, you know, right-handed hitter, he's very quiet at the plate, uh, and and hits frozen ropes all over the field. And is that something you've seen early on? So
1: well, far? like I said, my um, in my write-up, yeah, it's just such a shame I didn't get. He hit a double that night, and I wish I'd got it on film because it was just, uh, you know, it was such a a piece of pure hitting. It was it mm-hmm. was like watching, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a, <laughs> a, of a metaphor that I could compare it to, but yeah, he, let, he let, a, let a high fastball get deep into the zone, just used his hands, opened his hips up, and, and drove it to right center on a line, you know, just over the second baseman's head, and you think the center field is going to cut that off, no problem, but it was just hit so hard, hmm. and you know, it, it'd been a hot week, so the ground's pretty hard as well, and it skipped right through to the wall with, with ease. Um, but that's something
0: I, that scouts have seen from him yeah, all through his Yeah, oh yeah, college, everything right.
1: everything he read, he's a gap-to-gap hitter. He's yeah. going to hit a ton of doubles. Um, hit, got a hit the other night. I showed up late, um, but a single up the middle that was absolutely ripped. Um, hmm. So he's over, he's got a very good approach, and and you, you know if you read the article tomorrow, you'll see it in the video. Even though he strikes out, you can see how quiet his hands are, how the balance he has in his load, and, and, and how quiet his his timing mechanism is, so... Yeah, it's exciting. I just really hope, I mean, I was trying to think, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh know, hey, he'll be here for the rest of the season. If he, if he does really well, I don't, I, I don't know why they would keep him here, to be honest with you. I, I would have thought they would promote him. So that's my call. So hopefully he's around for when they're back in town. Obviously, he'll be in town for the next, you know, the five-game homestead against Hillsborough. But when they return on the 10th of August, fingers crossed,
0: yeah, if you want to see him succeed, but it's almost if he succeeds too much, then it's going to be see you later. He's going well,
1: to have- yeah, I mean, Lansing's got Mike Reeves, who obviously was a great player for the Seas last year, but is probably more organizational than anything. And then Dan Klein is definitely or an organizational <laughs> guy. So, you know, Lansing, and those are the only two catchers they've got on the roster right mm-hmm. now. They're only carrying two. Um, and then Deneen's got Santiago Nessi who, you know, we all hoped was a prospect at one stage, but... Mm-hmm. Is kind of falling further down the ladder, and then Jorge Sayas. So,
0: but then you look like I know you want to get him against tough competition, but Lansing, they're kind of out of it, aren't they? Like, they don't really have the team.
1: To, yeah, well, no, that's my thing. He's that Dunedin have already clinched the first half, so mm-hmm. they've already wrapped up their playoff position. So, I could see him maybe going up to Dunedin, okay. Um, and then you know, uh, some other well, dominoes following,
0: even stay with the Canadians because you know, if they're going to need a, a big push to get to the second half, you know, championship.
1: It's um, it's entirely possible that he okay. stays with his, with the C's. I'm I'm not going to make a 100 percent ironclad prediction either way, but I could see him going. Them promoting him quite quickly if, okay. if he's this much of an advanced bat. There's no there's no doubt he needs some work on his catching, and you know obviously John Schneider's is the manager. He's an ex catcher, and I said in my first article that I wrote about him that you would expect Fasano to show up at some mm-hmm. point um, in Vancouver and, and provide a bit mustachioed of mustachioed one, the mustachioed one. <laughs> Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. You know, Kevin Mm. Garcia was doing all right. He's been sent down to Bluefield, the corresponding move when Pentecost arrives. So, I mean, they could easily promote Pentecost and bring Garcia back up, along with hopefully a couple of other names that are doing very well in Bluefield.
0: But I think it would still be to the dismay of a lot of fans in Vancouver. They want to see Pentecost
1: progress here. Uh, I do. You do. Some other people that we talked to on Twitter, but... Like Andy Dunn and Co found out, that what is it? 70% of the people leaving the yard don't even know what the score is at the end of the game. They just <laughs> want to go there and watch sushi races and drink beer. So <laughs> who knows how many people actually want to see Pentecost.
0: Don't be hating on the sushi races. Uh, Come on. You sushi. know you want to you <laughs> be in that race. I want to wear those tights,
1: yes. <laughs> Meggings or whatever that commercial is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man, that's a bad picture. I don't want to think of that right now. It's You're a bad picture off.
1: having to watch it every time. <laughs> <laughs> the guy needs to wear a jock whatever it is. <laughs> it's disgusting.
0: Oh, man. Did you have any other points you wanted to add on Pentecost or shall we move on
1: to? No, I, I hope um, for those listening out there that also read my stuff, I hope to see him a bit more when he gets back and I'll, I'll hopefully have a write-up. I'm not, as I've said numerous times, I'm, I'm not a scout. I do know a bit about hitting and I know a little bit about pitching mechanics. But catching, mm, there's, a, there's a few obvious things that I think are wrong right now with him. So, I'll write those up and then...
0: You've watched enough baseball in your day. You can tell when...
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you see but like I said, that first player. game was... A, I mean, his throws were all short-hopping. Wherever they went, they, were, they weren't getting to mm-hmm. where he was trying to get them to. So, I was going to give but him a mulligan.
0: You did see him throw a runner out last game, right?
1: Did I? Yeah. I can't
0: remember. thought oh, you said you did. Maybe not.
1: No, I don't know. <laughs> Threw it back to the pitcher a bunch. Okay. And I got that's some good. really good pictures. I took a friend of mine that's a professional photographer... And we just got lucky that that was his first game, so we right. got some really nice pictures. There you go. So hopefully, get those up on site sooner or later.
0: Jays fans will be excited to see their newest prospect. Yeah, does Hoffman ain't coming around anytime soon?
1: No, <laughs> no, Hoffman will be. Uh, well, I think we we talked about this before. I think he'll skip Vancouver when oh, yeah. he comes back healthy. Where, do you
0: think he'd even start Double A? Is that is that the thinking that he'll? F- I mean, it all depends on how healthy he comes back. How um, he'll be thrown harder. It's uh, almost guarantee with Tommy Johnson. Yeah,
1: it's funny, though. I mean, uh, you know, I, I had a bit of a Twitter conversation with a few people yesterday. Roberto Osuno, the XC, came back and threw for the uh, the GCLJs, through an inning on the 5th of July, I'd, I'd like to say it was. Okay. You know, Chris King was down there, who hopefully we'll have on the posca- podcast one these days. He's the baseball perspectives writer for the uh, kind of that region, mm-hmm. so often sees GCLJs games and said he was – hitting 96, 97 like it was nothing. Excellent. Said he, said he wasn't even... You know, if you didn't have your radar gun, you would have no idea. You know, Obviously, you could hear the mitt snap, yeah. the catcher's mitt, but it just, he said it looked so easy that you had no idea he was throwing that hard. That's um, a good good thing to hear. Well, because yeah, it's easy well, 96. Lots, lots of people that come back from Tommy <laughs> oh, John man. don't get their uh, velocity back, you know. Not immediately. Well, exactly. You know, they'll, hopefully they'll eventually get it back, but definitely not immediately. And this is only... A year I, th- I think he had it in mid to late June, so yeah. just over a year, but then he's gone on the DL <laughs> and he's been transferred to the Lansing DL, and I know mm-hmm. battersbox.CA said that um, you know it was just a paper transaction, but why isn't he pitched? So mm-hmm. that was a big question I was throwing out on Twitter last night. Nobody really had the answer, so hope
0: it's not the arm again, but it might be something else.
1: It might be the fact that he came back and they just want to shut him down now and let mm-hmm. him rest again a bit and take kind of slow. take it slow and restart it, but yeah. who knows? But yeah, so it'll be the similar thing for Hoffman because he had his right before the draft, didn't he? Yeah. So if we see him at all next year, who knows? Maybe he will come to Vancouver for the tail end of the... Just for here or North, there. ...Northwest yeah. League season. You never know. Same Rehab with, stint in, yeah. in the low minors. <laughs> Same with Clinton Holland. I mean, you know, like we, we like to say that Hoffman throws hard this and that, but he was just a junior, you know. Yeah. Plenty of juniors come come to the Northwest League. That is known as the college-age league. Yes, he's going to be a bit more advanced, but... You know, Marcus Stroman was termed the most major league ready arm in that draft, his draft, and he came here for two and a half weeks, three weeks, whatever it was. So
0: the more I, I've, I've sat on this, this past Blue Jays draft, the more excited I think I get about it, because now we've seen Pentecost, and and we know you know we have this high potential in Hoffman. It, it's hard to think of a time where've we've, we've had this group of prospects that have come up so quickly, and have been this exciting, other than you know Sanchez, like you said, or Stroman. Um, you know, now we have a hitter and and a pitcher in Hoffman that were well. No,
1: yeah, no, those you know, two but, but Sean caliber. Reed Foley and it was a steal yeah. in the second round. And yeah. I think Nick Wells' pro career has gotten off to a pretty good start down in the GCL. The fourth rounder, um, sorry, third rounder. Um, he's been throwing well. Mm-hmm. I know Chris King again going back to him said that his curveball is a, a definite weapon.
0: I even forgot about Sean Reed Foley, but there's another guy from yeah. from this year.
1: And and Lane Thomas has gotten off to a pretty good start in the GCL. Mm-hmm. And they've been playing him at third. He was drafted as a kind of a toolsy but raw outfielder. So um, again, going back to Chris King, I don't want, mean to toot his horn all the time, but <laughs> I sort of had a Twitter conversation with him, and he said, you know, he's he looks really good. I mean, it doesn't look great at third base, having never played it before. Mm-hmm. But so it's an interesting move by the Jays. Um, but maybe they want to, you know, he's been to be a very athletic defender, so they want to see if they can get him in sort of a keystone position. Who else? Uh, yeah, some yeah, very good players from that draft thus far. The only disappointing is that signing day came and went Friday, and some of those guys, like in eleven, twelve, like Tanner Houck and 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 those guys, they yeah. didn't get signed, even though they had. I think I worked it out to.
0: Well, he went back to Missouri,
1: right? Was, yeah, he yeah. went to to University of Missouri. So, um, but they had five hundred seventy grand to play with if they wanted to. So, plus the hundred grand of his slots. so. Mm. I don't know what sort of offer they made him or what he wanted, but it was kind of disappointing that they didn't get anybody else under contract on that final day. Not
0: as disappointing as the Houston Astros mind, but yeah, I was going to mention the the Aiken news, and that's yeah. going to have a big fallout, I guess, around the league, not just with the Astros.
1: Yeah.
0: In terms of just how the system, I guess <laughs> he's knows? going to argue that you know, if if he's if he thinks he's worth twenty to thirty million on the open market, then he should be getting twenty thirty million in his original contract. I guess that's what his argument is, but
1: it's such a it's such a gray area now because yeah. you know kid that has never pitched a professional game. In well, his yeah, life. He, yeah, he's never pitched a professional game. He's a high school pitcher, and we're talking about six and a half to seven million dollars. You know, up front, here you go, here is a check. Um, so the the amount of money is just phenomenal, and. You know, it's such a, such a difficult injury, you know. the uh, Not
0: even an injury. Well, it's insane. not even an injury, yeah. They're <laughs> just
1: saying, like R.A. Dickey when he was drafted, who apparently had no UCL yeah. ligament, they're now saying it's just abnormally small. So if it were to tear, which is entirely entirely feasible, as we well know from this year, you know, mm-hmm. pitcher's elbows tear, um, but it would be a difficult operation that Tommy John might not even be the answer for it. So, yeah, it's Better a hard one. It's, kid. it's a hard one to <laughs> to kind of you know who is in the wrong here. Yeah. Uh, you know,
0: well yeah, you look at it from the Astro side; and they have to protect themselves, and if there's a, a risk of an injury there, and yeah. you know, it, at the end of the day, it is kind of cheap to to knock his offer down by two and a half, three mil.
1: Well, apparently they knocked it down by fully 60%. Well, no, they weren't going to offer a slot five mil initially. was the last. Oh, that right. was the last. They initially went down to the 40% barrier, which would net them the number two overall pick next year. Mm. But then I think they did bump it up a bit back up to about five. What was his slot? Like seven odd. Seven something. They initially agreed six to save a bit of money so they could pay these later round kids that they wanted to pay a million and a half each. Mm. Um, and then knocked it down to 40%, back up to five. And then he, it obviously didn't get done. So then <laughs> these two kids that they had agreements with in the later rounds, they couldn't afford them either. So now they're going back to school, and there's a bunch of fallout from that. And it's, yeah.
0: It's, <sighs> I'm just glad that Jay's got it done. And mostly, for the most part, they got their guys signed. Uh, no Tyler Beatty incidents, and everything worked yeah, out I, in I, the long run.
1: I have to admit, I'm still a bit perplexed as to why they signed Hoffman at slot. Um, I'm glad that he Good signed, fate. but yeah, I mean, for a guy that had zero leverage, it seems a bit odd to give him slot. So they knows? like the kid. They obviously, they obviously think, like uh, him. And I think, what did they say that there was an intrinsic discount in there and that they thought he'd be a top three signing. Yeah. So more like Aiken numbers of six, five, six million rather than three, just and over three. Since you know?
0: they were quoted that he could probably use that in his argument. <laughs> hey, if you think I'm a top three guy. You should be paying me top three money, yeah, even though I have this. In he's year. not going
1: to be a top three guy next year because he's not going to pitch, is he? He's no. going to get maybe two games in before the draft again. Yeah. So that's therein lies the argument that he's got no leverage. Yeah, yeah. he can say I'm a 1 1, but <laughs> and I should be paid like a 1 1. Well, you're not. But then, you know, if he'd offered him two, the I saw someone say, well, the agent probably just turns around and says, well, if you, if you want to pay him second round money, you should have drafted him in the second round. So, yeah, yeah it's. Who knows what goes on with the, these negotiations? It's over now. It's, it's over now. They're, they're signed. Max Pentecost is in Vancouver after paperwork issues, which is a bit of a theme, actually, here in Vancouver, because mm-hmm. fully nine guys from Everett yeah. couldn't cross the border. Half their pitching staff. Half their pitching staff. They had a DH close one night and a shortstop yeah. the next.
0: needed well. He actually was the best Shortstop was
1: very good, yeah. <laughs> struck, out, struck out a... Um, who did he strike out? I think it was Metzler. Um, and then Spokane. Not Spokane, sorry. Eugene had three or four guys that couldn't get across the border. You're
0: in a league with a Canadian team. You're playing baseball in a league that, in
1: you know, yeah. the majors,
0: has a Canadian team. You might want to get a passport so you can travel over the border. It just boggles the mind. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah,
1: maybe it's not passport. Uh, maybe it's some. Wor- maybe they need work visas. To, are I don't they all know. criminals? Are they doing all have records? Is that well? <laughs> I think the coach forever that didn't come across. That was the issue. Yeah, he, actually he, had was, a he was from Texas. Yeah, so. Oh. Not saying all oh. Texas people are criminals, but I think it wasn't because most most of the time you it's Latino players I mean, I know last year in the finals, Boise it was mainly Cubans, so you, they have a hard time getting you, there, they right? have a hard time getting the visas, so okay. you, you accept that, but yeah, the guy from Texas, I think had some sort of record that
0: do you need an actual like a work visa to come over and play ball, or do you just need your passport just so you can make it over because you're not getting paid in Canada you are not
1: no I, yeah exactly I don't know how it works team. I would have thought they would just need a passport but you would think then it's extraordinarily stupid for these teams that know they have to come to Canada to not have passports. So maybe it is something a bit more involved. I, guess I correspond people, with someone on Twitter that's a bit of an expert on this. Maybe we'll have him on the podcast one day just to explain border <laughs> rules to us. Well, I guess
0: the deeper in the south you get, the less likely you are to cross a border into Canada or Mexico and – uh, yeah. You wouldn't even realize that you now, because it used to be you didn't need a passport. You just used your driver's license or whatever.
1: Yeah. And I know and plenty of that. Americans that never needed a passport because they never wanted to travel. So,
0: yeah. Well, uh, in Ontario, I used to go down to Buffalo all the time. And you didn't need, you know, a kid. Yeah. You didn't need a passport. You just.
1: Well, apparently, just we don't need a passport coming back. We just need the passport to get down there.
0: How does that work? I don't know. Anyways, we're, I've always we're, we're going it. off topic here. <laughs> well,. The other thing, uh, the other major topic we wanted to touch on is your article about Castro, um, and just Castro in general, because I had a chance to see him and was pretty impressed. He, It wasn't his best night that I saw him at, and I, I spoke to the pitching coach about that, and he was down a little bit in velocity, and it, normally what's he normally said at? 20, 97 or at night at least 96 well, he most hits nights. That, yeah. He can hit it, and he wasn't. He hit it once, I think, the entire night. Oh, and I, I, he was around ninety-five, sometimes ninety-three for a couple of at-bats.
1: You're a pretty um, harsh critic, Greg. In fact, I put <laughs> I put you in my article saying what a doofus you were. Um. <laughs> well, it's disconcerting. It's maybe we're overly. He sensitive hit 98 now. a couple nights, a couple times. His his average velo on that night was ninety-five,
0: which so, is good so for, for Compared average to velo most guys,
1: ninety-five, then you're fine.
0: But when you're a guy who's who can hit 97, 98... On a good night,
1: yeah, but he's not going to be hitting it every every pitch. No, um, that's unreasonable. Um, yeah, he was he was pretty good that night. I mean, his, his line was was fine. I think he only allowed what one run or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, early on, he was getting
0: a few loud outs. There was a couple balls that were hit near the warning track, which is quite a ways out there at the net. Um, but he settled in second, third, and fourth. I think he was just breezing through most of the lineup. I think that was the impressive part of his night that I saw.
1: Well, that was my issue with the with the outing, not the velocity, it was the fact that yeah, he's got a really he's got a low low three-quarter arm slot release. So, he's a bit of a slinger and which means he, a he doesn't hide the ball very well and b if he's not getting a lot of any tail on his fastball, and I know, I mean, he's 19. I know they're working on stuff all the time, and apparently I talked to Jeff, not that night, but a couple of nights ago about that start, and um, he's hes messing with his two-seamer a bit, seeing if he can get a bit more downward playing mm. um, on it rather than just run. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't moving all that much. So, guys, even though, like we've talked about this before, professional baseball hitters, even at this level, if if they can see a 95-mile-an-hour fastball and it's pretty straight, they'll they'll quite often square it up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they were. They they weren't missing it. They I I think I only counted two swings and misses on yeah. his fastball the entire night. He, the, people were taking good hacks, making good contact, or even if they were fouling it off, you knew they were on it.
0: Well, he also mentioned that they were experimenting a little bit. He wanted them to try starting with that breaking ball a little more often just to change it up. And he did have that early lead. I think it was 2-0 after... The first or second inning, so he got an early lead uh, and, and he wanted to see Castro start to mix in that breaking ball early on in, in counts um, because in the first inning they were sitting on that fastball and making some contact. They didn't make him really pay for it um, but like you mentioned, he wasn't really missing any, any bats. They were making a lot of
1: contact. No, he wasn't missing much but many bats at all that night. He, no. he threw, fair, threw, you know, I think I had him like four or five very good changes. His slider on the night was terrible. Uh, very slurvy, very side to side. Um, he, he's just not getting on top of it. He's not spiking it enough.
0: He had control of it, but he wasn't.
1: Yeah, just but it wasn't doing much. No. Um, so, I'll it, be interesting to see how it goes with him, actually. I mean, obviously I wrote that Love and Peace the first time I charted him. I, I think now that I've seen him a couple more times, I mean, his numbers are sensational and I, I wrote mm. up, I did the pitching stats on my website, com the other day and, you know, I do creative accounting. I take away that third of an inning that he had in Hillsborough where he absolutely blew it up and walked three guys and gave a home run and blah, blah, blah. Without that inning, his stats are phenomenal, really. His ERA goes down to .82. His FIP is at 2.96. Now, if
0: one inning can have that big of an impact...
1: Well, it's it's a small sample size. Right. Yeah, but when you've only walked 12 guys in 33 innings, you take out that 33 and a third innings, you take out that third of an inning, it goes down to nine walks in 33 innings. That's really good, yeah. you know, for a 19-year-old kid at this level. Um, so I'm definitely very curious to see how he, he finishes the season. Mm. I, I'm not thrilled with that arm slot for him because it just takes away the, his his height advantage. You know, the guy's six five. I don't know why he wouldn't want a higher three-quarter or, or even over the, not necessarily over the top, but move it up because then you're really taking advantage of your height. You're working with a, a far mm. greater downward plane. And hopefully able to get on top of that breaking ball a lot more.
0: He hasn't shown any deceptiveness with that three quarter. No, slot.
1: no, he's just slinging it. Um, yeah. I've I've got some good pictures that you can really see the ball in his hand. Um, and speaking to Jeff the other day, and this is something I'll write up um, soon. As there, you know, his his changeup throw shows really good separation and velocity, but he slows his arm down a lot as well. Okay, which sitting behind home plate is tough to pick up. So I always give props to the hitters. You know, major league hitters can pick up when pitchers are slowing their arms down, and when I'm sitting up in the press box, I can really pick it up. Mm-hmm. But when I'm sitting behind home plate, I can't see it at all. Yeah. Um, but but where said to me, yeah, he's really we're really struggling to get him to maintain his you know consistent arm speed. Um, now, now, if
0: these are the issues with Castro, what, as a 19 year old, yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, how it's all how raw is he? He's he's been in the Dominican League for two years. Yeah. You know, he, he came in. He was, I think he was a late starter as a pitcher. You know he's correctable. I, I spoke to a scout at that game. Um Actually, not at the game. I charted um the last game, and the, and the guy, uh, the guy said, "Look, you know." Uh, in fact, he said, oh, "I like Laborte better right now." But yeah, he's ninety-five. He's nineteen. He's six-five-one ninety. <laughs> he throws ninety-five. Yeah, he's he's we. They can teach him yeah. breaking balls. You we know can right? work with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he was impressed. Yeah,
0: um, it's like in hockey. You draft a six-five. 180 pound goalie. Yeah, we can work with that. And that's he's... what the Jays do. They, they get these guys that are
1: projectable, and yeah. and they work with them. So, I, I one the one thing I think is that we won't lose him. Even though his results have been excellent so far in the Northwest League, I don't think he's ready to move up to the Midwest League unless he gets traded. Uh, well, no. <laughs> he won't get traded. Speaking to the same scout, I was like, "Well, you know, do you are you laying eyes on these guys for trades?" He's like, "No, nah, you know." We're just getting the paperwork started, you know, getting these guys, getting the first pair of eyes on them. Maybe the second, maybe someone saw them in the Appalachian mm-hmm. League if they were there or the Gulf Coast. But for the most part, it's probably the first set of eyes from another organization mm-hmm. getting, you know, taking a look at these guys.
0: Is that to hit against him or to acquire him in the future? Just, for just, both, just for both? to, well,
1: like we talked about, was it the last one where, you know, the, was it the Houston, they, they had that intranet got hacked into. Right. Just because all these scouts just they just start accumulating data, you know they want data on these guys, and they, yeah, maybe someday down the road they'll they'll want to know their tendencies or they'll want to maybe look at them in a, in a potential trade scenario. But it's not going to happen now. Not not for a short season guy. I mean, you know, the Blue Jays did trade a couple of short season guys in the half trade, but Houston just wanted to stockpile you know minor league talent, so they were looking for younger guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no other team like if we're talking going out and getting you know whoever they've been talking about you know say David Price you're not going to be throwing in Vancouver Canadians you're you're looking at Sanchez Norris top end yeah. these guys
0: are yeah, a year yeah. away from yeah making a break
1: yeah so uh yeah Castro has been good um I look forward to seeing him again <laughs> hopefully would we'll, I figured it was next Saturday we'll get to see him
0: if yeah. that if that was his worst night that we saw him at if he was low on the velocity and was struggling to you know, to have any kind of movement on a slider, that's, you can deal with that. You know, he still pitched a good game. He still made it through yeah. the game. Uh, I think he we took him out in the fifth inning. Fifth and, or sixth. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Which is fine because his pitch keys are up around 75 pitches at that point. So that's usually done for the day.
1: 71, I think he had yeah. uh, that day, which is about his. his. He's between 70. I don't think they put him up to 80 yet. Yeah. Um, maybe soon. So if that's his worst
0: night, I think. Think he'll be fine because if he's on, then it's gonna only get better from that point. So I, I definitely. Well,
1: I don't think it's gonna yeah necessarily get better. I think we're gonna be in for a few ups and downs just because right. he's so young and he's so raw. Right. Yeah, there's gonna be a few more nights like that where he can't get on. But if top that's of his if slider. that's
0: his average night, if that's you know, you don't look at that game as okay, that's a standout game for him, then there's obviously gonna be. Just as many games where he's going to exceed that, and I'm, that those are the games that I'm excited for. If we ever get to, if I'm ever there for one of those games, I think yeah, it uh, should be exciting. And he's only 19, so yeah,
1: if we're exactly. seeing this now,
0: then who knows what he's capable of, right?
1: Who knows? Yeah, it's 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 hard to say. I used to get so excited about guys, and then they went up to the Midwest <laughs> League and got their asses handed to them. So, but you yeah, stuck uh, with Norris, stuck with Norris all along. <laughs> Although I'm often, I had a bit of a Twitter joke with someone last night because uh, Norris was obviously in a in a very high profile matchup last night with one of the Boston Red Sox's Red Sox's <laughs> uh, big prospects. What's his name? Henry Owens, I believe it was, um, and got his butt destroyed. Um, sounded like he got a bit unlucky. There was a bit of batting average of balls in play and a few. You got babipped. Babipped, which <laughs> is becoming a verb. I love it. Um, but yeah, I think he gave up eight runs in three innings last night, um, whereas Matt Smoral, the 6'9 uh, lefty that's down in Bluefield, struck out nine in his five innings of work for the uh, the Bluefield Blue Jays. So me and a guy said, let's get ahead of the curve and jump off the Norris bandwagon and, and get on the Smoral bandwagon before everybody else. So
0: the Smoral bandwagon.
1: The Smoral bandwagon. <laughs> we need to come up with a. I'm I'm trying Funny to pull up the
0: stats from the the prospects game because they actually we should mention that.
1: Yeah, uh, Norris, Norris had a very clean inning, 11 pitches, 7 strikes, um two groundouts and a strikeout, looked very good apparently. Um I would I'd hope to get um Chris Sherwin on the on the show tonight. Right. Um we'll get him on uh sooner or later. Not only to, to talk about um Miguel Castro and Harry Labort, but also to discuss Dan Norris cuz he threw a tweet out um during the futures game. he was watching it, where you know obviously norris's mechanics have changed a lot mm-hmm. since since the first time he'd seen it, so I wanted to discuss that with him, him being a bit more of an expert in that in that regard um, you look good though. No? yeah, and Pompey went what I think he went two for four with a yeah, stone base in a run um, um I know baseball prospectus had a writer, Chris Medlin was there last night. um Pompey had a bit of a rough night as Morris did. Um, Morris Norris <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to, it, to seeing his eyes on report but I mean from from all the tweets I was getting last night from scouts or and writers that were in attendance was saying that Norris looked very good, his stuff mm-hmm. was fine it was just that Got to have been lucky. Uh, the, the Red Sox other big catching prospect, I know the, they just had one called up. The other one's Vasquez called up? Or? Vasquez has been called up. The other one is, is Helik or Swielik or something like that. He hit a home run that just barely cleared the fence. It was an absolute paint scraper.
0: Now, did Norris and Pompey face each other? Because I know they were on opposite teams. Pompey was on the international team. No, they didn't face they never, each other. Oh, okay. No, okay. That sucks. <laughs> That'd be funny if they did. <laughs> Two guys um, from the same system.
1: Yeah, I guess it's, it obviously must have happened. Right. With um, other teams
0: and stuff.
1: No, and he didn't face cuz Jimenez played as well. Um Right. Was he a late addition? I didn't hear Yeah, about, he was. Okay. He was some No, um Christian is it Christian Vazquez? Is Vasquez? Yeah. Um th- I, think I think it's, it's the same name as the guy that we've got here in Canada. That's why I always get confused when I go on baseball <laughs> reference. You have to spell the C's Vasquez with an S instead of a Z to bring it up properly because there was the two. Yes, so Christian Vasquez. Was called up, so he had to bow out of the futures game, right. and uh, Jimenez went in. And um, I uh,
0: saw a little bit of the AAA All-Star game too. That's <laughs> there's some interesting names there. Wilson Betamete, I think, um, was he? had, a, had a quite the game as well as did uh, Mike Jacobs was on the roster. Uh, <laughs> what a bunch of non-prospect! Like what? Well, I guess yeah, that's AAA for you. It's right? AAA, isn't it?
1: there's a there's a <laughs> lot of guys that are making a living playing ball. You know, they're they're oh. never going to be good enough for the majors, but. That's, they're too good for AAA. They're the prototypical quad A player. And Liam Hendricks threw a really good couple of innings too, didn't he? he had like four strikeouts or something. Like that, so. Liam
0: Hendricks, we should uh, mention, uh, actually was on "Say Yes to the Dress" this week. Uh, right, the amazing That's show. That's weird. Uh, that I missed that your favorite I show. I always PVR yeah. that. Yeah. Well, uh, his wife was on that, and I, I only reason I know this is because I saw people tweeting about it. <laughs> I guess they knew in advance that she was going to be on, and. The reports weren't too kind for uh, for Mrs. Hendricks
1: and uh, see people on Twitter can be so cruel. Greg, she's an ex cheerleader. What for who is she Aussie I, as well?
0: No, no, only only Hendricks. Is. She's she's American,
1: but he's uh, he's Aussie. Ex cheerleader for um, football. I, I never I didn't watch because there's it, different so. hierarchies of cheerleaders. I think like, it you, was like you have to like basketball cheerleaders. Are usually aren't that all that great, yeah. but it's football cheerleaders is where you want to be. <laughs> I think she
0: was football, but uh, I. I did catch a little bit of it, and she seemed seemed like a little bit of a bridezilla. Uh, so I don't know if it's a you can't really on your wedding day everyone's going to be a little bit crazy, I
1: guess. But uh,
0: Jays fans weren't too too happy with. Uh,
1: Speaking of Jays prospects getting married, LB Dancer tweeted this morning that he uh, proposed to his girlfriend last night and she accepted. It's nice. quite a funny story, and I'm, I'm guessing no Vancouver Canadians players listen to this, but. <laughs> Um, someone came and told me, he's like, oh, yeah, L.B. Dantzler's, uh girlfriend's in town. I'm like, oh, cool. That's, you know, whatever. And he's like, oh, I'm like, oh, what does she look like? Will we be able to recognize her? And the guy's like, yeah. Gave me the little wink-wink, nudge-nudge. You'll be able to recognize her. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. She had a couple of assets that were uh, <laughs> rather large, let's just say. It was L.B. A, Dantzler, though. L.B. Yeah. Dantzler. Wow.
0: A fan favorite.
1: Yeah. So, uh, good for him. Congratulations. On, I have to admit, I'm a bit staggered that these guys get married so young, at 21 and 22, and living the life of a minor league baseball player. But not that young. No. I think Andy Burns recently. Um, <laughs> I know Daniel Norris was taking his wedding or engagement pictures or something like that. Yeah, That's yeah. just they're, they're dropping like flies in the Blue Jay system. <laughs>
0: well done for Ladies, them. get on it now while yep. they're in Vancouver.
1: Yeah, well, no, sense. Seth Conner's married, I think. Actually, his wife's showing up.
0: Well, it gets me. A guy like Colby Rasmus is already married with two kids. Like, I, I just can't picture him as a dad. But,
1: Did you see yeah. that video of him walking to the Sky Dome from his apartment the, having a chicken, chicken dog? The hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with, the, with the slacks pulled up to his tits. Oh, what the that was, what, so what was the deal? <laughs> reminded me of my English teacher grade 9. I couldn't stop laughing. Hey, let's
0: get a panoramic shot of him looking up at the CN Tower. Yeah, oh, this is so
1: beautiful. Good. We don't have this in Alabama.
0: It was just a fluff piece, whatever that was. Um, the chicken hot dog was good, though.
1: Because <laughs> they walk into the—that's the, the thing—they walk into the clubhouse and there's a buffet waiting for him. Yeah. Nah, no, I, I don't want this. I want this chicken hot chicken dog. Chicken hot
0: dog, and he it, it gets it from a guy that you can tell right on the sign. It's like Polish sausage. Yeah, it's not a chicken hot dog. <laughs> what is he talking about? Come on, Colby. We yeah,
1: Pompey last night had three hits. No, today. Sorry, I know he was. Um, he got beaten up a bit yesterday. Um, against Henry Owens, so
0: he's been a bit of a hidden gem, a nice little surprise this year. I guess no one really expected this much.
1: Uh, you know what? It's funny. I I've been looking at a few mid-season prospect lists, and obviously he's he's been the buzzword in the in the Blue Jay yeah. system. I had him ranked too low last last off season. Definitely, I think I had him 19 on my 30, which is ridiculously low because I really liked him, but.
0: But even you, that you, you, you liked him, you probably couldn't have predicted this. Well, just, no, you know,
1: yeah, I think this, you know, coming off a very good season in Lansing last year, you know, people were hoping he just built on that. And, you know, he, he had a couple of injuries the two seasons before. was obviously very raw coming out of Ontario, you know, drafted very young. Um, so nobody was expecting this. I think some people were going overboard. Like, I know one of the publications I read had moved him all the way up to third in their top 15, mm-hmm. which is aggressive. Um... You know, and some people were even talking about him taking over center field next year when Colby inevitably maybe leaves. Who knows? Wow. But I think that's that's asking a bit much. You know, he's he's starting to come around to double A pitching now, but he's you know I think he needs at least another year of, in the minor leagues before he'd hop over Ghost, eh? I guess. Oh, I I think prospect wise, he's definitely already done that. You know, if, if we want to get technical, Ghost has probably lost his his prospect status right. because he's. I don't know if he's lost his rookie status at all, but I, yeah, I mean, I mean, I've heard
0: though that the Jays organization just isn't that keen on ghosts in the long run.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think they they wanted him for his athletic ability and you know like DJ Davis a bit. Now we you know he just doesn't maybe have that baseball brain.
0: Are you um, going to Rajai
1: Davis last yeah. year have him on the bench, right? With mm-hmm. DJ, hopefully we can teach to him. It's, it's funny, I had a really good conversation with. Tim Raines, um, a few days ago when he was in town, and we mm-hmm. talked about um, full disclosure i 'm a huge fan of Tim Raines and think he should be <laughs> in the Hall of Fame yep. years ago, um, so whenever I get a chance to talk to him, I tend not to remember exactly what he tells me because i 'm sort of just sitting there like i 'm talking to Tim Raines, yeah, but we talked about Dalton and and d j Davis, and he just said you know DJ's so raw that you know people see him as a first rounder, and they expect him to be here and there, but you know, all he played was Mississippi High School baseball, and it's like 20 games a season or something yeah. like that. You know, he hardly played coming into being a pro baseball player. So, Huge, huge timeline. On huge right timeline, whereas Dalton obviously has figured it out. And, and yeah, I don't think anybody expected this kind of year, but it's great to see. Take it. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, we'll take it for sure. So he's, I mean, I'm, I'm going to start thinking about maybe – put together what maybe we'll, we'll see as my prospect list for next year, at least start thinking about it. And I don't think I'll have him at third. He'll be up there, though, for sure.
0: Oh, he's jumped up the list at, at least. Oh, well,
1: he's not <laughs> going to be 19. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> don't make that mistake twice. No. <laughs> All right, well, uh, any other thoughts as we head into the, I guess, trade deadline is the next big, big thing, and we'll we'll try to get a podcast in before that comes along.
1: Well, yeah, I saw Sanchez through another inning in relief mm-hmm. today. Um yeah, they moved him over moved to, the, bull him to the bullpen, so obviously that's I guess with I saw another comment from one of the sports net writers that Anthopoulos said that they they think he's really turned a corner in his last 3 or 4 or 5 outings whatever it's been and that he's ready to help the major league club. Yeah. Well, they, everyone's me.
0: they're telling everyone calm down. Like yeah, he's moved to the bullpen, but Strawman, uh, yeah, David not, Price, yeah, the list goes on of guys that have come up in the bullpen and become very effective starters because yeah, they are it's, starters.
1: It's 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 funny. It's oftentimes I mean the the Blue Jays organization is ahead of the curve in a lot of ways on certain things like the whole senior drafting uh, strategy that they employed mm-hmm. to save slot money um, and and things such as that. You know, signing free agents that they knew they could get type B designation and get supplemental round draft picks. Yeah. Um, But then in other ways, they seem just to really follow other organizations. They pick an organization and and, we love what they do. And right now it seems to be the Cardinals. And obviously the Cardinals have had a lot of success bringing up young pitchers and and sort of integrating them into the team through the bullpen. Adam Wainwright. Wainwright, um, Waka, you know, all these guys started in, in the bullpen. So, yeah. Obviously, Strowman didn't really work out earlier this season, but he's been absolutely phenomenal since coming back as a as <laughs> it a starter. Seems so
0: silly. I guess. In the Strowman case, is why it seemed kind of silly. Just did he really need that stint up in the bullpen and then get called up later as a starter? Like, yeah. could he not have just done without that and then just come up as a starter? Like, I don't know. Maybe if that was yeah, really and they wanted
1: to manage his innings, and yeah. I think this is a way to manage Sanchez's innings. Is That's it Sanchez's? I don't know, plural. Um, <laughs> I think it it probably does have more to do with that yeah. than anything. So I think else. it's a bit of that, and then, yeah. you know, also they, if they think he's ready, yeah, get him up because the bullpen has not been great. I think I saw it read this morning that they're twelfth in ERA, thirteenth in WHIP. Um, you know, it. Well, it, it Todd has, Redman
0: now is taking on a large role. Well,
1: he's he's sort of become their one of their go to right handers. What's which his is
0: WHIP one point two WHIP though, and
1: yeah, like, and he two seventy. He, he was okay. Lefties hitting off him. today. Not great, you know, yeah. but. Obviously, Steve Delabar is in AAA and not pitching all that well in Buffalo. Um,
0: that's, a, uh, that's a weird situation.
1: Uh, my my weekly podcast, Brain Cramp. Um, Dustin McGowan has had decent numbers, but his peripherals aren't great, so yeah. you kind of expect a bit of regression in the next little while. Um,
0: I love him out of the pen, though. Well, yeah, he's,
1: that's that's his better role. And then, obviously, yeah. Casey Johnson came back from... He went to the Dominican or something, that like, the All-Star break, and he's been sick, so... He didn't throw all that well today, although no, he's been fabulous. Happened. Yeah, that's what he lost—like nine pounds. I, I know he gets sick, but I didn't know he went to the Dominican. I ah, yeah. picked up the old. Uh, Why would you go to the Dominican? But he drank the water. Yeah, smart guy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, right-handed arms in the bullpen—they haven't been thrown all that well. So there's talk of going out and trading for an arm, but if you've got a ready-made arm in your system already and, and you want him, you know, it's going to start his service clock maybe a bit earlier than some people had hoped. But get him up. Get him thrown, and then maybe he can make a spot start here and there when mm-hmm. guys like Hutchison and Strowman do do need a bit of rest later on in the season. Hopefully, in in a pennant race.
0: Well, these are the uh, interesting the interesting point in the season as we get closer to the end, and uh, we have trade deadlines coming up. We have roster expansion coming up. Uh, you know, now that the prospects that have just been signed are starting to arrive. Uh, second half of the Northwest League season—it's going to be an interesting second half. So we're going to keep you posted here on the podcast, and hopefully, you know, keep you updated on how everything's going with the Blue Jays, and and see what you know. Sanchez—we fully expect him to to come up eventually um, with the big club. And... Well, there was
1: even talk of them bringing up Norris too, which mm. I think would be a tad aggressive, considering he has been knocked around a bit his last couple of starts in Double A. Like I said. It sounds like he's throwing the ball very well, yeah. but you know the, the guys that are getting their eyes on him just say there is you know work still that needs to be done. You he know, seems so. like
0: the kind of prospect, though. No, you need to go station to station with, have him figure it out at this level, figure it out at this next level, and then kind yeah. of slowly work his way. Yeah, you know he'll be good, but I just think he, he's just to me it seems like he takes a little bit longer to adjust uh, to each level.
1: Uh, uh well, I mean, he didn't really need much adjusting to the Florida State League this year. That's, that's, that's for sure. The starting point. I guess. Um, so yeah, he'll be fine. You know, he's yeah. he'll be fine in Double A, and then, you know, but I can I would prefer to see him finish the year in Double A, and then and then go to Triple A next year, and then see where we are from there. Mm-hmm. But I can I mean I I get a bit of a boner thinking about a rotation down the road of Hutchison, Stroman, you know, Sanchez and and Norris for sure with. You know, I don't think it's a big stretch to say if Asuna comes back healthy, he's that far along the curve yeah. that he he's in a Toronto uniform by, what are we, 15 next year? By 2016, you know, which is one I kind of expect Norris to be there as well. So,
0: and you think of Stroman and Hutchinson and...
1: Sanchez. Sanchez, which uh, you
0: mentioned, and...
1: So, I mean, you know, they'll, they'll just augment the guys that are, I mean, yeah. Dickey signed for two more years, is it two more years? Yeah. Either He's got one two, or two. Two years left on this deal, Bure, Burely, Burley, um, Burley,
0: Beerley. Burley, and it, you know, you just what well, all it does is it gives you depth. Now that you have guys that are ready and don't have a space for them on the major league roster, and it also gives you some leeway in the trades um, yeah. to make some of these guys expendable and, and bring in other positions that you're weaker at. Um, so only good things could come from from depth like this, and having prospects that are succeeding. Um, so it's good yeah, to see.
1: It's, no, it's it's absolutely the best thing to have, and as Billy Bean proved with the big trade that happened kind of while we were podcasting last time, you know, everyone's talking about the Blue Jays needing a bat, but you can always have more pitching, yeah. you know, no matter what the situation is, you can always they have more. They send down. <laughs> yeah, they send down a guy that had won his eight previous starts, including shutting out the Jays for seven <laughs> innings the day before, so, yeah. Now we get Brad Mills, who was meant to start, the final mm-hmm. game of that series against the Jays, but then the Shark did, didn't he? Trade him Should for I a try bus. and say his name again? Samarja. Samarja. There you yeah! There you go. We've, let's just end the podcast now. That's it. See you later, <laughs> <That's> folks. <it. laughs> See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get that clip of
0: you trying to say Samarja from the last episode. We'll, uh, we'll say that, that at the uh,
1: at the beginning of every one, the intro.
0: You make a Charlie Kasky soundboard by the end of this, this Me year. Me trying
1: to say it, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh well, I think uh, we've covered pretty much everything. We're going to keep it under an hour this week, um, so goal setting. Keep it easy on you guys, you listening, and um, thanks if you're if you're either tuning in via SoundCloud or from our Twitter accounts uh, or on iTunes because we are on iTunes as well. Um, you a lot of people use that for their podcasting. It's really easy if you if you don't have iTunes for your podcasts. Um, you can search us on there, and it it automatically will download the latest episodes. You don't even have to think about it. You just set it, say that you like us, <laughs> and then mm-hmm. it'll automatically download it onto your into your iTunes. You can listen to it on there or onto your iPod or iPhone. So it's really really cool. And there's even a podcast app for your phone. That you can get what uh, I gotta get that. Yeah, you you haven't got it yet, Charlie. Come yeah, on, no,
1: no, I'm such a loser. Technically- or you can keep
0: listening on SoundCloud because that's. Pretty easy, I find, as well. Charlie likes to embed it on the website, which, as go to the, know, Yeah, go
1: to the website.
0: Yourvansees.com. And questions, we'll welcome them. If you're in Toronto and you want to know more about, you have a specific question about Pentecost or Castro or Labort or any of the other pro, uh, prospects that are here in Vancouver, we'd love to answer them. Uh, or if you're here in Vancouver and you just want to ask us a question, either tweet us. At Charlie Kasky or at Greg Ballack St, and uh, or email us if you're not a Twitter guy. You can go on uh, your email, and it's at yourvancs at gmail dot com. c's at gmail dot com, and we'd love to field your question the next episode. And we apologize that it's been a little sporadic the last little while. It's uh, it's the summer, so there are vacations and. Stuff gets in the way, um, so we apologize for the delay. But, uh, yeah, do you have anything else to add, Charlie, or is that uh, should we wrap it up now?
1: No, I was just checking. Uh, Pompey went two for five yesterday against Owen with three strikeouts. So a bit of an oh. up-and-down day. I'm looking at baseball perspectives <laughs> right now, um, and it looks like Chris Mellon hasn't got his eyes-on report of the game yet. So I'm going to use this Twitter thing to see when he's getting it up.
0: Well, there you go. Just to Stay tuned on yourvanseas.com and uh,
1: yeah, I guess we will have that
0: Pentecost post up as well this week.
1: Pentecost, Beretto, uh, Scouting Report goes up tomorrow morning at com forward slash Canadians and then I put it up 24 hours later on my site, Uh I put up the pitcher stats a couple days ago. Um, both have got some video. Um, the pitcher stats post has got video of Toronto This one has got, the hitting one has got video of both Pentecost and Beretto. And then I think the next one, I'm going to take a look at the Bluefield team and see who could possibly be making their way up to Vancouver. Because I know it was around this time last year, sort of midway through the season, that Dawson and uh, Shane Dawson and Todd Robson kind of made their way up. I don't expect that now. And we've seen a few guys. Chase Millard is starting tonight. He was a 2014 Mm draftee. He's come up from Bluefield. Justin Schaefer's come up. But... You know, those aren't big names. Can we expect a guy like Matt Smoral or Jesus Tinoco to Mm -hmm. come up? So i will take a look at that. It's a fun
0: time of year. A lot of changes happen around this time, especially with the first half ending for the Northwest League. Uh, And the Blue Jays starting to make a push again, looks like, for that playoff spot. You never know how it will affect the the minor leagues once it's all uh, coming to a head here.
1: Yeah, today's been a pretty big day for me. Sport was I was meant to play baseball this morning, it got rained out, so I got to watch. Uh, I'm a big Rory McIlroy fan. Won the British Open, and then the Jays won, and then the Orioles lost. After, I don't know. Did the Yankees uh, lose as well? No, I think Kuroda pitched a good game. Yeah, regardless. Now we got the C's coming up in in a couple of hours. So, <laughs> we'll see. Go. Before we go, let me see if I can quickly find. We'll do an update, uh, Northwest League scoreboard update.
0: <laughs> Your live scoreboard update.
1: Yeah, of course, we're putting this out later, so the game's going to be long <laughs> over. But as if we're as if we're live, Greg, there you go. Spokane have tied it up. It's 1-1 in the bottom of the sixth. So obviously, if Spokane wins this game, it's done. But I'd, I'd say that, I mean, this, the Cs are, are going to be going into the second half with a 10-game lead mm-hmm. in the next best record kind of category, yeah. which is big. I mean, I think two of the three years they've gotten into the playoffs the last couple of years was on next best record. Yeah. Um, and none of those years have they won the first half leg, so just get in just Doesn't get in how... and yeah, and the the blue Jays organization is great in that they're there's they 're willing to spend money to to move guys around to to help Vancouver win near the end, so just get in, see what happens, yeah,
0: and hopefully Pentecost sticks <laughs> all you can hope for
1: hopefully, hopefully <laughs> um we 'll see Castro and abort I think will stick, so get out and see them and We'll see what happens with Pentecost. All right. That'll do it for
0: us. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode, and we'll catch you next time on your Van C's weekly podcast. Thanks.